1: Welcome to the Roaring Twenties, where drink driving is at an all-time low. Everybody's driving, and because of prohibition, nobody is drinking.
2: Nobody was watching pro wrestling either. Because of the kayfabe bubble being burst, audience apathy was at an all-time high. Enter the Gold Dust Trio, Billy Sandow, Ed Strangler-Lewis and Toots Mont to make some vital changes to the presentation of wrestling that would bring the crowds back and keep the industry up. The wrestling shows themselves were vastly improving under the Gold Dust Trio, but they needed a little something extra to bring the audience back. Maybe a crossover?
1: These are the first motion pictures ever made of the most ferocious battler the ring has known. Hard, handsome, with whipcord muscles, Jack Dempsey.
2: Around the same time Billy Sandow started training Ed Strangler Lewis in the art of wrestling, promoter Jack Kearns was guiding the boxing career of the Manassa Mauler Jack Dempsey. Jack's reputation as a hard man preceded his pugilism. When he was young and broke, he would quite commonly burst into bars saying, I can't sing and I can't dance, but I can lick any S.O.B. in the house. Patrons would invariably bet the farm on knocking out this cocksure youngster and would inevitably leave the bar with broken jaws and empty pockets. Then prohibition came along and there were less bars for Dempsey to fight in. So he took to boxing, very much like a duck to water, if that duck was pretty solid at third round knockouts. When he started gaining traction in the boxing ring, he was signed up by Jack Kearns, who only made his star shine brighter. Whilst wrestling was surviving at this time, boxing was absolutely thriving. There was no fix when it came to pugilism, and boxing matches were typically quicker and harder hitting than the multi-hour headlock fests that wrestling had become. In the exciting world of boxing in America, Jack Dempsey was box office. It wasn't uncommon for a Dempsey exhibition tour to sell out multiple nights in a row. On Independence Day in 1919, Jack Dempsey decisively defeated Jess Willard, a.k.a. the Potawatomi Giant, to become the World Heavyweight Boxing Champion.
1: Now coming up for round four, but Willard can't come out for the fourth round. His nose and cheekbone are fractured, ribs broken, half a dozen teeth knocked out, and he's hardly strength enough to rise and shake hands with his conqueror. The champion was knocked down seven times in the first round. Willard lost his title while sitting in his corner. Every minute is crammed with drama, as the ring is now with yelling excited men. It wasn't without
2: controversy, though, as there was rumour and innuendo that Dempsey had either, and you can choose your favourite from the following here, used a knuckle duster during the final round, concealed a rail spike about his person that he inserted into his glove during the fight... Or had plaster of Paris coated around his hands, which had set before the bell even sounded.
1: Dempsey the killer. Dempsey the champion. They'll see him in action for eight flaming years to come.
2: Dempsey denied all of these, but it certainly put a cloud over his win. In the boxing world, this is scandalous. But you've got to admit, it kind of fits the wrestling world quite nicely, doesn't it? The Gold Dust Trio thought so, and Billy Sandow issued a challenge to Jack Dempsey on behalf of Ed Strangler-Lewis.
1: Let Jack Cairns deposit a cheque for $5,000, as I have done on behalf of Lewis, and the match will most assuredly be set. Our money is up, and we stand ready to deposit another $5,000 when Kearns puts up the money for Jack Dempsey. And my personal wager of $5,000 still stands that Ed Strangler Lewis can beat Dempsey inside of 20 minutes in any ring in the world.
2: This wasn't the first time a boxer and a wrestler had crossed the fighting lines. Farm of Burns was challenged to a fight in 1910 by middleweight boxing champion Billy Papke. The fight was born out of Papke insulting the ability of Burns, saying a fighter can whip a wrestler any day of the year. The result of this was a rough-and-tumble style match, which saw Burns' humble Papke with a double hammerlock taking the win by submission. Papke piped down shortly after this. The arrogance of the real fighter besting the fake fighter was the driving force behind most of the boxer versus wrestling matches over the years, however in this case it was the wrestler challenging the boxer to not just establish dominance in another sport but to get some of the stardust that had been cascading around Dempsey at this point, as we've said wrestling is a little bit lost at the start of the 20s so they've looked to another sport a similar sport with a very similar audience with similarly lined pockets to try and bring some more people to watch the wrestling so sandow laid the challenge down to jack kearns and jack dempsey and with that jack kearns denied the fight respectfully Jack Dempsey was about to travel around Europe for a series of exhibition matches and Kearns didn't want any distractions. And to be fair, Kearns didn't really want to get involved in that wrestling malarkey. So Lewis set about defending his championship across America and the whole thing went a little bit quiet. That was until the Dempsey-Lewis crossover started getting coverage in the newspapers. Once the fantasy match fire was restoked, both men were approached for comment. And it's from here that the promo started flying.
1: Jack Dempsey said, I think I might be tempted to try and beat that wrestler at his own game. I've done a lot of wrestling as part of my preliminary training, and I've got the old toehold and headlock down close to perfection.
2: Lewis responded,
1: You must understand that in such a contest, I would be allowed to use my feet and legs. In doing so, I believe I could break the leg of a man like Dempsey.
2: The rebuttal from Dempsey,
1: if I can win the first ball from him, I'll begin to use my fists. But I've got a funny little hunch that maybe I can dump him without rapping him on the chin.
2: Lewis responds.
1: Of course, there is one chance in a thousand that he might hit me with a punch hard enough to knock me out before I could get a hold of him. But that is only one chance. I am sincere about the match and will put up $25,000 in real money to bet that I can beat him. Keep in mind, no match
2: had been signed at this point, but boxing fans and wrestling fans had been whipped into a suitable frenzy about the whole thing. The frenzy resulted in one Kansas-based promoter by the name of Tom Law sending the following telegram to Camp Dempsey
1: am authorized by Wichita Advertising Club, supported by five prominent oil men, to offer purse of $300,000 for Dempsey Lewis Mixed Match. Stop. To be held in Wichita not later than July 4th, 1923. Stop. Will Erect Arena seat 50,000 at Aviation Field. Stop. Will Erect Arena seat 50,000 at Aviation Field. Stop. Billy Sandow has posted $5,000 with Wichita Advertising Club in agreement to stage match here. Stop. Wire answer. Stop.
2: Jack Kearns finally caved, saying it is the will of the people that this clash between his boxer, Jack Dempsey, and Billy Sandow's wrestler, Ed Strangler Lewis, should go down. And the first public meeting was scheduled for a few months later. It would be here that Ed Strangler Lewis and Jack Dempsey would meet for the very first time. They would strike poses for the assembled photographers and newspapers, and they would build the hype for this mega boxing versus wrestling clash. However, Ed Strangler Lewis didn't show up. He'd been arrested after assaulting somebody at a party in Mexico. Charges that were quietly dropped shortly after. But the consequence was that he missed that all-important public meeting, scoring points for Jack Dempsey before the fight had even been signed. Despite this setback, Sandow claimed that he had signed for the fight with Tom Law, the promoter from Kansas, and a date was being set. Also, an arena to house this mighty tussle was being built in Tijuana, Mexico. Here's the thing. He hadn't. It hadn't. And it wasn't. This was all bluster by Sandow to keep interest bubbling in this match. There was tension between Lewis and Sandow following the arrest and the match was unfortunately not the front of the Gold Dust Trio's mind. Sadly, the flames had been fanned for just a little bit too long and had burnt out. So for all the intrigue, all the excitement and all the expectation, Jack Dempsey versus Ed Strangler Lewis did not happen. So why have I wasted your time talking about a professional wrestling match that didn't happen? For that, we go to the only place where the match did happen, the Chicago Tribune. The newspaper went as far as to predict how the match would go down, writing up an exciting scenario that saw Ed Lewis defeat Jack Dempsey in a wild 38-minute bloodbath. This was even worse for Jack Kearns and Jack Dempsey because not only were the papers still calling for the fight to happen, but they were predicting the win for the wrestler. This is is the power of slam-bang Western wrestling in action right here. In just a few short years, they had restored America's faith in professional wrestlers, being more than just grunting fake bear huggers and actually being competitive monsters in any sporting field. On paper, as far as the press and the audience was concerned, a battle between a quote-unquote fake wrestler and a real athlete would go to the fake guy. Ed Strangler Lewis, despite his infraction with the law, was still a big name in wrestling. He wanted to use that power for good and create a new wrestling star, one that could continue the great work that the Gold Dust Trio had been doing long after Ed Strangler Lewis's retirement. This was something that went both incredibly well and incredibly badly. And we will talk all about it next week on Wrestling in the 20s.
0: For free shipping and 365 day returns.
2: For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.